Welcome back, listeners. On this episode, I spoke to editor Tom Cross about his work on Babylon. Cross is a two-time Oscar nominee for La La Land and Whiplash, where he won for the latter. He is also a four-time BAFTA nominee, a five-time Ace Eddie nominee, a four-time Critics' Choice Award nominee, an Independent Spirit Award winner for Whiplash, and so much more. Babylon was directed by Damien Chazelle, and the film stars Margot Robbie and Diego Calva. What has it been like to just sort of sit back and watch Babylon um, get distributed out to the world? I mean, it's, I think the, the biggest takeaway I have is that people are very passionate about it. Either they passionately love it or they passionately, you know, hate it. You know, but it's like whatever it it feels it feels somewhat appropriate to Babylon, like they have a maximalist response, which is which feels appropriate because Damien always wanted to make a maximalist movie, you know, so, um, you know, most of most of the response has been uh, cut from that cloth has been big, you know. Mm. Um, But of course, you know, of course, I'm 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 thrilled at, at I'm thrilled with the people who who were very, who passionately, you know, um, enjoyed it or loved it. You know, mm-hmm. that's like, that's always really, I don't know, that, that, that always feels good because then it, it means that you're reaching some people and, you know, and which is what you want to do. So um, yeah. it's exciting. And, and I, I love, I mean, I love, I think Paramount is, is um, as far as I can see, I, I, I think they're doing a great job with it. I love you know, seeing billboards in Times Square or now in London, seeing ads and things like that. And LA, seeing ads on buses and just, I love the poster artwork. And, you know, that's really been fun to see, you know, to see that out in the world. Yeah. No, I, I remember when the Gene Smart poster came out and I was just, I, yeah. the, it was just, I mean, she's absolutely stunning, but just to see her in that I mean, then that headpiece and then that outfit and which, I mean, it was just, it was, I mean, all of it's gorgeous. I mean, it's yeah, absolutely yeah. gorgeous. So. But her yeah. thing in particular, her, all of, all of her outfits, but that, that opening one you're talking about, that headdress is, is, is really spectacular and really out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, just to dive in right there, I mean, you're constructing one of the grandest opening scenes I've ever seen. And mm-hmm. I'm curious, how do you tackle something like that? Mm. Well, you know, Damien and I work very closely together. And, um, you know, while he's shooting, uh, I'm piecing the movie together. I'm getting the dailies, I'm piecing it together um, based on conversations I have with Damien, based on his notes. Um, so I'm off to a good start. Uh, but the work really, really starts in earnest when he finishes shooting and he comes in and we work together. So normally with his other movies, we start at the end of the movie. Like he likes to start at the end. So Whiplash, we started with the caravan musical number at the end. With La La Land, we started with the kind of dream fantasy epilogue. With First Man, we started with the Apollo 11 mission. Um, and the reason Damien likes to do that is that often the ending is, especially in the case of say something like Whiplash or La La Land, the ending is the reason he made the movie. 
Um, you know, the ending sequence is kind of the way he's devised these endings are an excuse to do, you know, to, to sort of do the rest of the movie. And, um, and I think he figures if we get something, if we tackle something difficult, then we can feel energized to tackle the rest of the movie and whatever we've established for the end, we can, we now know where we have to get to. Um, I bring that up just, just to say that Babylon was very different and Damien wanted us to start at the beginning because he figured the beginning would be where we would introduce the style of Babylon. Um, and that style would be more, um, more like most of the movie as opposed to, you know, when you get to the end of the movie, um, you're in a very different place uh, emotionally, the characters are at different places and the style of the movie is very different. So, um, so we started at the beginning and with, with the beginning, you know, Damien, you know, said, we're making this epic ensemble movie. It's, it's gonna be big, it's gonna be long, it's epic. Um, but it can't feel slow. It has to. It has to have energy. It has to feel like the Wolf of Wall Street and Whiplash. Mm-hmm. Um, and he and he wanted it to be loud and 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 um, you know like adrenaline, you know, uh, pumping and high energy. And it was important for us to establish that in the pre-title sequence. The pre-title sequences like 31 minutes long yeah. you know, by Damien's, that's how he originally intended it. Um, but it was important for us to sort of establish that language early on. So, you know, it, it, was a, it was about honoring all the characters and honoring what Damien and Lena Sandgren, the cinematographer devised in terms of these beautiful camera moves, but then find places to punctuate it, um, punctuate it with quick cuts in or quick cuts out and and a big thing that helped with the energy was Justin Hurwitz's music. I mean, I think Damien always knew the beginning was going to be uh, was going to feel like chaos, um, but it had to it had to be controlled chaos. And to help with that, uh, we had Justin Hurwitz's score, and we use that as a guide for our pace and for our rhythm. And 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 his score allowed us to kind of you know, bounce the picture off of it, you know, um, mm. in, in these weird percussive ways. So, um, so yeah, I mean, early on, it's, it's right, almost right out of the gate. Once you get to the party, you, you, you really lean into this being a music driven movie. So um, I think the way Damien really had envisioned it would, it was that it would be this music driven movie and that through the music, you would get this propulsion and that would be a great way to sort of show the wild west days of Hollywood because mm. at the midpoint or, or somewhere after a certain point, he wanted to do a shift and he really wanted to build up the wild west days in a certain sort of cacophonous way so that you could change it when you got to the transition to sound. And that's where we did this kind of stylistic reset where we kind of do a slow fade in on Nelly soundstage and we take our time and in a very measured way we set up all the elements of of the new era which is to say we show the detail of the microphone hanging down from the ceiling we show the sound booth that looms over almost like godlike onto the soundstage 
And we show all these little details and we take our time with it because we needed to, and we do all that in almost near silence in order to give the audience a breath and, and let the audience kind of reset and get used to a new pace. So, so I guess that was a big thing about the beginning was, was, you know, the beginning had to be sort of, you know, loud and, and um, bombastic and in your face because it had to be the wild west days. And then the idea Damien's plan was to really then, you know, be able to take that away and shift it when we go into a different part of the story. Mm -hmm. No, 100%. And I mean, to speak of that score, that was, I mean, on my list of questions for you, but I mean, I, I can't tell you how many times I've listened to Voodoo Mama um, <laughs> on repeat. It is a constant thing in my car. Um, yeah. I mean, the entire scores, but that song in particular, if you need to start your day in a, um, in a energetic way, I highly yeah. recommend Yeah, yeah. hopefully it doesn't inform your driving the speed uh, yeah. of your driving too much, right? Well, my driving is already terrible enough. So <laughs> I, I am very much like the Nelly character backing into the, into the back of a, um, totally of a stone. Um, but I also want to touch on the ending as well too, because like you said, a tonal, yeah. a completely tonal shift from the very yeah. beginning. And I want to, I mean, there's been a lot of discussion from, at least from what I've seen in terms of my, my own social media feed, but I'm wondering how you interpret the final um, sequence and I mean, the final sort of um, uh, capturing of, of yeah. um, Diego's um, just la last moment on, on screen. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I don't wanna get, uh, I, I never wanna be guilty of telling people uh, what they should feel or what they should get from it. But, but, I, but I will say that, um, you know, Damien always wanted the ending to be, to be emotional in a certain way. And when he and I put together the scene of Diego watching Singing in the Rain, and having an emotional reaction in the theater, when we put that together, um, we never, it never quite landed for us. And we did a, we, we went back and we would adjust it and we could never stick the landing on it in a way that he and I thought was, was um, substantial. So we were kind of baffled by it for a little while. And we went back to reread his script page. And Damien is such a brilliant writer. Um, and when we reread that scene, it felt emotional. It felt emotional on the page in a way that it didn't on the screen. So Damien devised a, an addition to the ending. I don't even wanna say new ending, but a little add on to the ending, which was the montage that I think everyone um, thinks about when they think about the ending. And he came up with this idea of, of Manny seeing kind of a little bit of his past Hollywood life flash before his eyes. And then that brings back ideas and memories of what a big party the early days were. And and from there, we segue into something that becomes even more uh, experiential. And I think a big hope 
that we had for this ending would be that it would be um, optimistic, that in some ways it would be a celebration, but it would also be optimistic in terms of Manny seeing the future in a way. Um, but something that was really important about that scene was that uh, was that we honor certain agendas that we had, but we didn't, we always wanted it to be experiential. And by that, I mean that it was important that we not, um, that we be loose enough with constructing the sequence so that the audience would get lost in it, so that the sequence would feel a little, would have a quality of being uncontrollable and therefore uh, unpredictable because what we were really worried about was having uh, bullet points and an agenda and having that be so cookie cutter and so clear that then people would um, would would be able then people would be ahead of the sequence and so mm -hmm. we wanted to we wanted the audience to get lost in it in, a little bit and um, and one of our big inspirations for that sequence was the the sort of iconic Stargate sequence from Stanley Kubrick's 2001: A Space Odyssey. Mm -hmm. We wanted it to feel like a trip, and the hope was that the audience would would get enveloped in this experience so much so that when we cut back to Manny, there would be a little bit of this aha moment, like oh ah I see ah we're, this was all in Manny's head. You know, and mm -hmm. so that was that was a little bit of that was um, that was a big uh, consideration we had. In other words, if we cut it in a way where it was very articulated and very clear that this was all a memory or or basically what I just described, you know, uh, our, our fear would be that the audience that it would not be experiential and that the audience would be ahead of it, um, and then it would that it it might risk feeling kind of pat. And so um, it felt more in the character of um, Babylon to, to just kind of um, continue this maximalist tone that most of the movie has, throw in everything, throw in the kitchen sink. Mm -hmm. um, you know, uh, something I remember Damien said on Whiplash at, when we were cutting the end of Whiplash is, um, is that he wanted the scene, the end scene to have an impact. And uh, at some point, I think someone in the screening uh, gave us, you know, an opinion about it and said, you know, the ending, it's too long. Like we get it, he's a good drummer. Um, but the way Damien saw it was that he would, he would rather it be indulgent than uh, have it just breeze by like any old scene and ultimately be forgettable. So I think that same thinking kind of governed uh, a lot of Babylon and go certainly governed that last scene where we just, we just kind of went for it. Um, but, but it was in search of a certain sort of um, emotional epiphany that you felt more emotionally in the script, but you, you didn't in the original scene as cut as, as originally devised. And so it was something we had to create in the editing room. Mm. It, it's interesting. I, I was watching Whiplash, I think, this past weekend because I, I wanted to yeah. It, yeah. I wanted to prepare as much as possible for this interview. And it it's very interesting to see so many similarities in terms of just the 
I mean, obviously they couldn't be more different in terms of the story that they're trying to tell, but um, in terms of just um, this idea of memory, um, which I think is very consistent in all of um, Damien's movies. Um, it's just, it's such an interesting comparison piece to put against the two because I mean, even with like the, the way that you're portraying, um, I don't know, the, the dirtiness or the rawness of like these individual characters like Nellie and Miles Teller's character. I mean, it was just, I don't know, it, it's a very, I loved it as sort of a, um, as a back-to-back -back watch. It, it, it's, it was just a yeah. fascinating sort of one way to look at your career and then two, just to sort of see what sort of started this process and now where are we today? Um, so yeah. I, I thought it, it and I mean, it, it, Whiplash is fantastic as well too, and I, I love it, um, but I just, it, it's such an interesting comparison piece to, to put Well, in. yeah, it's funny. I, I think about, you know, the end, uh, you know, obviously there's with, with, um, with a little bit of the fantasy um, element of the end of La La Land and then coming back to uh, reality. Uh, that there are certainly, um, you know, strong similarities with what happens with Manny and then we come back to him. Um, on a mechanical level, you know, Damien's movies, like he believes in the power of of eyes and the power of the close-up, you know, and uh, so all, all his movies on a mechanical level, kind of, and emotional, but like just, I say mechanical just because it's like, uh, you know, a lot of the movies end with characters looking at one another, you know, or making eye contact or, 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 or at least we end on a face or something like that. And, uh, you know, certainly Babylon has that in common with the other movies. And, uh, but then I, I also think of Whiplash, you know, when you get to the end, you know, the hope is that, is that in a way it's all in there. Like the question of, did it, you know, was this a triumphant ending or is this a tragic ending, you know? Um, and it's, it's, it's not that specifically uh, in Babylon, but you, but I think you still, I think if you walk away having questions, is this, um, are we seeing the death of cinema? And this is some type of, you know, um, are we seeing kind of a eulogy for, uh, you know, uh, uh, or a dirge for cinema, or is this actually trumpeting, you know, the triumphant uh, continuation of cinema or the future of cinema? I think I think it's I think it's great if if it contains both things and you walk away with both in in the similar vein to with Whiplash, where it's where the characters are smiling at one another, and yes, in some ways it is it is victorious, but then but then you have all these other questions that go along with it. So my hope is that the end of Babylon can, can feel like it's cut from a similar cloth, you know, can, mm. can have a richness. That's my hope. But also mm. at the end of the day to be enjoyable in this experiential way, you know, um, and, and I have to give credit to big credit to Justin Hurwitz and his score, because again, it's a very music driven score and his music has was a guide, a north star for for the pace and the energy of the cutting, um, and 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 
that is definitely apparent, I think, in the ending where, you know, that whole experiential uh, thing that happens in the picture really rides on his music, mm -hmm. which was, again, something we created in the editing room. The original ending did not have Justin Hurwitz's, it did not go into Justin Hurwitz's score. It, it really kind of uh, ended with Manny alone in the theater or not alone, but, uh, you know, in his own, in his own thoughts with the sound of singing in the rain trailing off. Um, so in that way, it was very, it was very different than mm. what is in the final film. Mm. And I mean, I have to ask, how long was the original cut and what is left on the cutting room floor right now? That's a good question. There, um, there are, it's, it's funny. Uh, the first cut that Damien and I looked at together uh, was strangely two hours and 56 minutes. And when I was putting the movie together, uh, by the time Damien came in to start cutting with me, uh, I hadn't gotten through all of the scenes. So in, in a sense, I did not have what you would call traditional assembly. So the first cut that I ever watched and the first cut, the first cut that ever existed really was one that Damien and I did. And we really tried to tighten it as much as we could. It was two hours and 56 minutes. And we found that emotionally it didn't work. The rhythm felt wrong. We were missing too many things. And so we went back and restored things and let it breathe more. And, um, the next cut, I think, was maybe three hours and 30 minutes. And then we brought it back down to 310 or 315. And eventually we arrived at what you have today. And the funny thing is, Damien's script was 180 pages. And he always said he thought that the movie probably wanted to play a minute a page. And that's pretty much what it is uh, now. Um, in terms of things that were left on the cutting room floor, there were certainly a bunch of things. Um, one scene I remember in particular was um, a scene where um, Gene Smart and Margot Robbie are at Nellie's house. And it's a scene where Nellie is giving Eleanor a tour of her mansion. And, um, and what ends up happening during this tour is that we meet uh, Nellie's current boyfriend and then an old boyfriend shows up, rings the doorbell and shows up and the two boyfriends basically get in a fist fight and it devolves into like basically a food fight, which includes Nellie's father played by Eric Roberts, who also happens to be there. Uh, and the scene culminates with this big plate of spaghetti flying on Eleanor's face and uh, so at the end of the scene, we see Gene Smart covered in tomato sauce and spaghetti. And it was, it was a hilarious scene. It was a great, it was a great scene with great performances. I mean, ultimately we felt that it was redundant. The flying food and the mess was redundant and very, um, a little too, it, it kind of stepped on uh, a more important beat later, which is Nellie basically stuffing her face at the Hearst party and then mm -hmm. puking over uh, on everything. Um, it felt a little too similar. Um, and that was a big reason why we got rid of it. 
So, mm. and then, and then also it was, you know, we were always looking for places to take some time out, but, but I think the biggest reason was, was because it felt a little too much like what happened later at the Hearst party. Mm. Well, I, uh, I hope one day it sees the It light. was a great scene. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I mean, sort of as we round up um, in our final few minutes, I, I want to ask in regards to um, the career that you've had with Damien, is there a consistent theme or th through line that you see through all of his films that sticks out to you um, and that you take away? And then ultimately, what what's next for you? Hmm. Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, you know, with with Damien's movies, I mean, there's so many. It, it, it's such a, it's it's. Uh, uh, I almost feel beyond my depth, like answering that question. But the first thing that comes into mind is passion. You know, he makes stories about um, passionate characters. You know, when I think of the character of Mia and Sebastian, I think of two characters who are shamelessly passionate about, about what they do and what they wanna do. Um, that's even more obvious in Whiplash. Um, it's certainly true of Neil Armstrong as portrayed in First Man. Um, and I think Babylon shows a Hollywood, or at least we hope to show a Hollywood where all these people come from different places and different backgrounds. They come to Hollywood to, they come for a better life and to find a better version of themselves. They come to be transformed. And there takes a certain amount of, that takes a certain amount of um, passion and persistence. And, and ultimately in the story, you see how Hollywood transforms all these different characters. And, uh, and, um, and you know, there's, there's all of Damien's movies take you to, to the heights of that passion, but then there is also um, very much an indication and a suggestion of the cost of it and, and the consequences of it. Um, and so those are, the, I think those are some of my takeaways that, that I can relate and reconcile on all of his movies that we've worked on together. Mm. Um, and in terms of what I'm doing, I mean, Babylon was probably the hardest movie I've ever worked on. It was the most difficult movie um, because, because we had never done it's so big. We had never done an ensemble movie. I mean, Whiplash and First Man and, and La La Land are two-handers or a single character movie. Um, Damien always knew this was going to be an ensemble, you know, a story about Hollywood told through all these different characters. And in that way, it was, it was, it was very challenging. And then just, just to tell, just to edit a movie with so many tonal shifts and stylistic shifts um was very challenging it took it, there was a lot of work that needed to be done uh, at the same time it was a gift i mean at the same time i feel very lucky as a film editor to get to work on a movie like that one that has so many different um opportunities for me to flex different storytelling muscles um you know we as an editor you often work on on 
movies where your work is supposed to be invisible, that means that it's well put together. Uh, if you don't see the craft, um, sometimes as in the case of Damien's movies, he wants to tell his story through a certain style. He wants to tell his story through the film editing. So I'm lucky as an editor that I get to, I get to, um, I get to experiment and work with him uh, doing that. So, so it was, it's, it's probably, you know, the most rewarding thing I've worked on, but, but again, it's also was the hardest. Mm. Uh, so that's a long way of saying, I'm going to take a little time off. I'm going to take a break. <laughs> and I don't know what I'm doing next, except that I'm going to rest for a moment. As you should, as you should. <laughs> um, I, I would, I would probably just stop after, after doing that. Um, but, but Tom, this has been such a joy chatting with you um, today. Jackson, likewise. Thank you so much. And thank you for for just enjoying the movie so much and, and for, for your passion. And I, I really appreciate it. And, you know, we, we, I feel like we make these movies for people like you. Thank you all for listening. This episode was edited and produced by me, Jackson Vickery. Graphics were done by Dylan Michael. And the opening and closing theme were done by Sterling Gavinsky.